want to talk to you about a rather um, unpleasant topic. I want to talk to you about pain, but more than that, and really more importantly than that, is a much more pleasant topic, and that is grace. God's sufficient grace. And what I want you to see is that in our seasons of pain and trial and suffering, God gives us grace sufficient for our needs. So if you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to turn with me to Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his second one, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to begin in verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. And where we pick up in our text today, Paul in the first part of chapter 12 has just told the Corinthians that he has had this revelation from God back uh, 14 years ago. He said he was caught up to the third heaven, and he had this revelation from God. He had seen things that were not permitted for him to speak. He had, he had heard things that he couldn't tell people. They were just inexpressible. He'd seen, no doubt, the angels and, and many things that were just incredible. And he'd had this revelation from God. And I just want to stop right there. I just want you to think, if that happened to you, what would your response be? Well, it would probably be amazement, probably thankfulness. But honestly, we would probably all struggle with some pride. After a while, we'd start to think, wow, God chose me to see all that good stuff. He chose me, not everybody else in the world. He could have chosen anybody, but he chose me to give this revelation to. And, and we, pride is, is, is an always present danger, and Paul wrestled with that too. So God helped Paul with his pride, not by giving him some kind of amnesia, not by plucking his prideful streak out of him, but instead he allowed some sort of persistent chronic pain or condition or situation to come into his life. And that served to uh, keep Paul humble and to increase his, his reliance on the Lord. Now, sometimes God does that to us, not because he's given us a revelation of himself that needs to go into Scripture or anything like that, but sometimes he will use pain in our lives to increase our, our dependence on him. Somebody as well noted, quote, the experience of God's people shows that, the, that bodily pain has a special part to play in the work of sanctification. But when inflicted by God on his own children... It more than anything teaches them their weakness and dependence and calls them to submit when submission is most difficult. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him is the expression of the highest form of faith. Now, I just want to encourage you, if you're in the midst of a chronic, persistent, lingering situation, I want to encourage you today, it may be a physical difficulty, a mental or an emotional situation, maybe there's some kind of a, a family or a job uh, a situation going on, God's grace is sufficient today. So if you found 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I'd, I'd ask you to stand with me to honor God's word. We'll pick up in verse 7, and we will read down to verse 10. Paul says, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, if you're taking notes, there are, there are five headings that I want you to, to maybe jot down in your, in your notes. And they're all, they're all, the, uh, all the words start with the letter P. 
And the first P word that I want you to see today is the word purpose. The word purpose. Now, we don't, in our lives, we don't see God's purpose working out in our pain many times, do we? We, we go through tor- uh, trials and torments, persecutions, afflictions. We go through situations. Sometimes, uh, sometimes there are very long situations. And many times we don't see what God's doing in our lives. But God has a purpose for our pain. Now, I want you to look again at verse 7 because uh, it, it speaks of God's purpose, at least in Paul's pain. Look again at what verse 7 says. That first word is because. That speaks of purpose. Later on in that verse... He says, for this reason, there's purpose again. There's purpose for our pain. Now, I've seen it in my own life, and I'm sure you've seen it in, in your life and the lives of others too. But people can bear up under trials and, and, and difficulties when they realize that it's not a useless trial and difficulty. Have you ever noticed that? When sometimes whenever we suffer, we think, well, if I'm just suffering needlessly, what's the point? But when we realize there's something bigger going on, it helps us bear up under those difficulties, those, those trying circumstances. And, and, and when, we, when we realize there's more at stake than just our comfort or our lack of comfort, it, it helps us. So what is God's purpose for pain? Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that if you go through situation A, this is God's purpose. And if you go through situation B, that is God's purpose. I'm not going to say that. Nobody knows exactly all God's purposes in uh, in our, in our lives with different, different situations and different pain. Sometimes, like Paul, we know that it, it, can, it can help to humble us. Because it's, it's tough to be proud when you're in pain, isn't it? It's tough to be proud whenever you're going through a long trial or affliction. Sometimes it serves to burn out the dross of sin in our lives. Sometimes it serves to chastise us. Sometimes it helps teach us dependence on the Lord. Whatever the purpose is, we know that it always works God's purpose out in our lives. It serves to make us more like Christ, and God will use those difficulties, whatever they are, to work his good pleasure in your life and in mine. He uses them to shape us to make us more like Christ. So the first thing I want you to see is purpose. The second P P word that I want you to see is pain. Pain. Now notice again what Paul calls his pain in verse 7. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. We've all had thorns in the flesh in a physical sense. I remember when I was growing up back in, in Illinois, we had this, mom and dad planted this, this blackberry bush. And it was kind of in a, in a wet spot. I don't know if there's a little, little uh, spring there or what it was. But that thing was huge. And I mean, you know how blackberries get. They, they just keep growing and growing. And this thing was way, I mean, it was, it was, it was tall. And it had some of the biggest, juiciest berries you could find. But it also had some of the biggest, nastiest thorns you could find, too. And we go to, to pick those, those blackberries. Of course, you have to wear long sleeves. And I can remember wearing a long sleeve shirt and reaching my hand in to get some of those blackberries out and pulling it out, and it just shred my sleeve. I mean, it was bad. I'm not, that's, not, that's not speaking uh, uh, ministerially. I, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, that, that really happened. I got holes in my shirt because of the thorns. And you, and you all know how it is. You're walking through the woods, wherever it is, and all of a sudden when it gets you, you know it, don't you? I mean, it, it hurts. And Paul calls this situation he was in a thorn in the flesh. And we don't know what exactly it was. The word that's translated as thorn also can be used uh, to speak of a stake that one is tied to whenever they're tortured. So it was, it was not pleasant, whatever it was he was going through. And notice how he describes it. In, uh, in verse 7, he says it was a messenger of Satan. 
It was sent to torment, or your Bible may say to beat or to buffet him. It was given him, almost like a gift, for a purpose, for the purpose of keeping him from exalting himself. So let's put this all together. God permitted Satan to assault Paul over an extended period of time for a purpose. As I said before, we don't know what exactly this thorn in the flesh was about everything under the sun has been suggested, everything from, from uh, various temptations to uh, persecutions, opponents. And of course, the people in Corinth were, uh, it, it was kind of a messed up church. Some of them in Corinth were opposing Paul. Some people said that maybe that was his thorn in the flesh. Some people say it was uh, a bodily issue like malaria or eye troubles or migraines or epilepsy, earaches, disability in speech. I mean, about everything you can think of has been suggested. Personally, I think it was likely some sort of disfiguring eye trouble. I, I'm not going to be dogmatic about that, and I say that because a couple of scripture out of the book of Galatians, for instance, Galatians 4, verses 13 to 15, he says, but you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time, and that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself, where then is that sense of boasting you had? For I, bear, for I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. Revelation 6, verse 11, he says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. He was the, he, he was the original large print edition. I mean, he was, he was giving them this stuff, and I think probably he couldn't see very well, and so he's writing things big enough so that he could see. And, of course, I don't know exactly what it is. He was beaten and stoned and all sorts of things. And so that, that naturally would take a toll on a person's body. We don't know what his issue was. And, and that's not as important right now because you know what your difficulty is. God has a purpose for that difficulty. That thing that you're thinking about when you hear about a difficult circumstance. And he can bring a life out of the ashes in that situation. So we have the, the purpose. We have the pain. The third P I want you to see is the prolongation. Now, that's a great big word. It means it was prolonged. It, didn't, it, it wasn't over quickly. Paul is suffering through some sort of problem. And notice that it's not short-lived. Short God did not remove his trouble. Look again at verse 8. He says, concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Now, when he says that, I don't think, and you know, you know the difference in prayers, Right? You know the difference between when you sit down at a family meal and you go to bow your head and thank God for the food and you kind of sometimes, let's just be honest, sometimes we kind of tack things on at the end because sometimes they don't mean as much to us as other things when we're real serious about prayer. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so I don't think that Paul said, Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for this meal I'm getting ready to have. Oh, and take away this, if you would, take away this thorn, thorn from the flesh. He did that three times. I don't think that's what happened. Because when we go through those trials and difficulties, that is, our, that is the subject of prayer, isn't it? That is what we focus on. That is what we are pouring our heart out to God about. And I think this was probably, uh, he probably went through three seasons of concerted effort and prayer where he sought God, he implored him, and he was earnest in prayer, and he asked him, to remove this thorn in the flesh. And God didn't do it. Now I think this is quite instructive. And I, I think there are three things that we can learn from it. First, it tells us it's okay to pray about something repeatedly. They say, Pastor, that doesn't seem very spiritual. There are people who think if you say it once, that's all you need to do. And I understand the reasoning. I get it. God hears our prayers. He knows what we need before we need it. 
I, I get all that. Some people, though, are trying to be hyper-spiritual. Oh, if you pray about something more than once, you're not trusting God. You ever talk to somebody like that? That's not the case. I mean, if, if that was the case, then Jesus wasn't very spiritual because in the Garden of Gethsemane it says that he prayed three times to the Father that he would remove the cup of suffering from him if it would be his will. Jesus told a parable in Luke's Gospel about a persistent widow who, who sought justice time after time, and the point of that parable was to be persistent in our prayer. So it's okay to pray about something more than once. It's okay to pray about something repeatedly. It also shows us that sometimes God changes our circumstances, and sometimes he doesn't. Now, when he changes our circumstances, that's a great time. Whenever you're talking to people, that is a great time to, to share God's goodness in answering your prayers. But when he doesn't change your circumstances, you still have an opportunity to talk about God's goodness. Because it's not his goodness in changing your circumstances, but his goodness in giving you the, giving you the grace to go through it. And the third lesson from this is that God does not always answer our prayers immediately. And if heaven seems silent, keep praying. Notice again verses 8 and 9. It says in verse 8 that he prayed three times, but it wasn't, uh, my understanding here is that it wasn't until the third round that God answered him. See, sometimes we call out to God, we implore him, we seek his face, and it seems like heaven is bronze. Anybody else experience that? I mean, you, you seek God's will for your life, you ask for God's direction, you want to know what's happening. God, I'm in this situation, please take it from me, please, please change it, please do this, please do that, and it's dead silence. And it's frustrating, isn't it? I go through it. I assume that other people go through it because Paul went through it. And what do you feel? You feel frustration. You, you wonder, why is, why is God not answering? Is, is God displeased with me? Why isn't he responding in some way? And, and it feels like we're alone in our pain. Paul went through the same thing. If God hasn't answered yet, keep praying. Sometimes he doesn't answer us. Sometimes we don't like his answer. And so we keep praying, don't we? Oh, God, I must, that, that's, not, that's not right. I know you wouldn't do that. God, please do this. And he, uh, I, I just wonder if maybe he's not saying, my grace is sufficient, my grace is sufficient, my grace is sufficient. And it's like, get through your head. Sometimes we need to submit to the answer that's given. Now, again, these are all easier said than done, I, I realize. So those are the first three. The fourth P I want you to see is provision. Provision, look at verse 9. God's answer was not to remove Paul's problems, but to give him grace to bear up under the problems. Look what he says. For he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I think in our day and time, and maybe partially because we live in the land of, plenty, land of plenty, that word sufficient has almost a negative connotation. And what I mean is, sometimes when we hear, my grace is sufficient, it's almost, we, the, the word sufficient means like satisfactory. It's like getting a C on your report card. Now, some of you may be happy with the C on your report card, and if you are, I'm not, I'm not dogging you. But let's face it, C is not really the top echelon as far as grades go, is it? And sometimes we read that word sufficient and we think, eh, that's kind of, eh, not all that great. That doesn't seem like that good of a promise from God. That it's sufficient. Let's, 
let's put it in different context and see if it maybe will help us make more sense of it. Let's put it in the context of money. We can all identify with money, right? Let's say that you have a special coat, and in that coat is a special pocket. And whenever you put your hand in that pocket, you'll find a sufficient amount of money to buy whatever it is you want. Now, now we're talking, right? Let's say you got to get your oil changed, your tires rotated. You go to the mechanic shop, they tell you the bill, you reach your hand in, $33.25, right there, sufficient. Oh, well, this is a pretty good deal. Then you go down to the to the, to the light, the, the electric company. Got to pay your light bill, hundred dollars. Oh, there's a there's a Ben Franklin, right? I'll teach me hundred dollar bills. Here, here's a hundred dollar bill. Whoever's on the front, sufficient. You think, wow, this is a pretty good deal. So then you go down to the car lot, and you do better than Oprah. You say. You get one, and you get one, everybody gets one. And you agree upon a price, and you reach your hand in, you have sufficient amount of money to buy all of them. Well, that'd be pretty nice. Well, then, you go to the, then you go to the creditors of the United States, and we have debt. They, remember they had to add a, had a, add a spot for, to add another number for our national debt? You remember that on the big sign, the number keeps ticking up? Can you imagine going to China and, and all those other places that have outstand, that we have outstanding debt with? And you say, how much do we owe? Oh, seven trillion dollars? And you reach your hand in. Sufficient amount of money to pay that off. Now, now we're talking, right? That's like, oh, sufficiency is pretty good. I need to go like that too, brother. What, this, what I'm getting at, though, is that when God's grace is sufficient, he's not saying I'm giving you a C. He's saying I'm giving you a coat. He's saying whatever situation it is that you face, it's like whenever you get a bill, you reach your hand in the pocket, you have a sufficient amount of money to pay that bill. He says whatever situation comes your way, you're going to have a sufficient amount of grace to meet that need. That's what he's talking about with this sufficient grace. There is grace for the hour. It's sufficient. Whatever it is that we face, no matter the size of the need. What's Jeremiah say? He says, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, before we move on to the last point, I, I just want to mention quickly, we have to be on guard that we don't rely on our feelings when it comes to all this. Because we read this, and we say to ourselves, well, that was good for the Apostle Paul, but I'm no apostle. And he may have been experiencing grace, but I'm not. Not to the, not to the degree that he's talking about. Because... I don't feel like God's with me. You ever felt alone in your pain? You ever felt alone in your situation? You're, you're just waiting on God and it feels like it's just radio silence? Usually, we most clearly see God's presence with us in hindsight. When we look back and we see how God brought us through day by day, step by step, moment by moment. And at the time we're going through it, we may feel God's presence. We may feel his closeness to us. No, we may not. But when we get through it, we can look back and say, oh, now I understand. Now I see where God was helping me out. And I didn't even know it at the time. Now listen, it, it, it's probably not going to be by some miraculous act, but we recognize his sustaining, sufficient grace. Because God promised something, and if he promises you something, it's good whether you feel like it or not. God is good to his word. So we have the purpose, the pain, the prolongation, it, is, it was prolonged. 
We have um, this one, whatever it was. Now, the last one I want you to see is the power. The power. God enables us and empowers us. Notice the connection between verses 9 and 10. He says, verse 9, my grace is sufficient. Then he says in verse 10, therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because God has empowered me, therefore, verse 10, I'm content in these circumstances. Remember what he said in Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through what? Christ who strengthens me. Now, we take that verse and we want to pull it out of context and say, well, I'm going to win this basketball game. I'm going to do whatever it is. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if you look in Philippians 4, verse 13 comes right after he says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. Through having little, having much, in whatever circumstances I find myself in, I, am, I can be content because God is the one who's given me the strength. And likewise, he strengthens us to be content in our circumstances. As one commentator put it, he says, What was true of Paul is true of every saint. It is when we feel our weakness that God strengthens us. And we may not feel strengthened, but without the Lord's help, we'd fall. And folks, I've got a newsflash for you. We have a natural tendency, especially here in America, we, we are told from the time that we're the youngest little toddler, you can be whatever you want, you can do whatever you want, just put your mind to it, you can do it. We like to think that we're self-sufficient, that we've got under control, but you are not sufficient for life's challenges. And I'm not either. We need the Lord's help. We need each other. And God gives grace when we need it the most. And maybe like Paul, you need to seek the Lord again. Pray. Pray that God would remove that thorn. It's okay to pray that. That's what Paul prayed. Pray for help. Pray for healing. But realize that if God, for his purposes, does not remove that, he gives grace to his children in the midst of it. He is near to his people. He is touched with our infirmities. And the Bible says that he rushes to the aid of those who call on him. And I just want to leave you with this sentence from one of the authors I read this week. He says, God so orders it, uh, sorry, God so orders it that the times of my weakness are the very hours when my strength is revealed, and thus each period of death is turned into a season of resurrection. Again, as Jeremiah said, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I want you to stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. I just want you to just take an honest evaluation of your life. And if you're going through a, a situation, if you're in the midst of something that's prolonged, a physical trouble, uh, a job situation, a health situation, a, a, a family situation, whatever it is, you don't have to think too long about what it is. Maybe you're in a holding pattern. You're waiting on God, and it seems like the heavens are brass. You're not hearing anything from him. He's not, he doesn't appear to be moving. Remember to pray. Seek God. 
And if he gives you the answer, my grace is sufficient, submit to that. Bear up under it. Be encouraged. Grace is sufficient for the need of the hour. Maybe the need, maybe the need that you have, more than anything else, is to be made right with God. You've wandered astray. You've been in rebellion against God. You've run from Him. You've shaken your fist in the hand of the King of the Universe. Your your fist your your fist in the face of His. Uh, of, of the King of Glory. Maybe today you are realizing for the first time that you need a Savior. God doesn't give a, a big, long process to go through. It's to repent and believe. It's not get your life straightened out first. It's not come to church X amount of times. It's not uh, doing whatever it is. It's turn from your sin and trust in him alone for salvation. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we live in a rough world. We know that's not news to you. You're well acquainted with everything that's going on in each one of our lives and the lives of every person on the planet. You not only know our thoughts, you know our motives, our, our words before they even form our, on our tongue. And God, we know that you give us what we need. You give us provision. You give us grace. Even in the midst of those prolonged situations. God, I pray for that person whose who's, who's strength is beginning to fail them. They're tired. They're tired of being tired. Maybe their faith is wavering as they've sought you and, and they've not heard an answer back. God, I ask that you would strengthen them and encourage them. Let them know that you're nearby. strengthen their faith. And God, for the person who's never accepted Christ, I pray that you would draw them to yourself and let them become your child today. In Jesus' name.